Welcome, I'm Julie Bacon, and you're listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast, a podcast for dog handlers who are on a mission to achieve big goals. I will share lessons, insights, personal stories, and tools you can apply during your next show, trial, or test to help you strengthen your mental game and hopefully cue more consistently. So if you are ready to improve your competitive mindset, get out of your own way, and connect with your dog like never before, then it's time to get comfy, bring an open mind, and work your mindset. Hey everyone, welcome back. All right, recently I was leading our monthly group coaching call for my Q membership. Yep, that's a little plug. Um, and one person said to another person on the, the Zoom call, hey, congrats on your weekend. And she meant it very sincerely because she had seen some posts that this person had made on, of course, Facebook, right? But for the recipient of the compliment, it it really wasn't a great weekend for her, right? She had already shared with me some disappointments. She wanted, you know, she scheduled like a call right away with me to do some coaching, to work on the things that happened for the weekend. So it was a, this really great moment and this really great reminder. And I kind of like looked at, you know, of course, making eye contact on Zoom, but like, you know, kind of looked at her and we kind of giggled or smiled back and forth because we both knew what the truth was, right? And, um, but because these coaching sessions are like truly safe environment, like pinky swear, nobody shares anybody's secrets, um, the group of us went on to talk about the ups and downs of this person's weekends. She had some, some good things that of course, yes, she posted and shared, um, but she had some challenges that she really wanted help with. Um, and the fact that our lives are on social media all the time, and that's a choice, by the way, um, you know, our lives are then highly curated, right? Because no one's really posting like, oh, I, I spilled coffee all over, whatever, right? I mean, sometimes they do, but that's a separate thing. But, you know, there's a lot of positive stuff, which is great, but it's also sometimes, I don't know, it's not really the whole picture, right? And that's okay. Like, I think that there's actually a place to, I think Facebook is great for celebrating. Like, I love reading all the Monday brags, right, that everybody has, and the great weekends, and I love celebrating side by side with people. However, if we are comparing our journey to what we see on Facebook, then we're going to be, you know, maybe comparing ourselves and our progress against someone else's progress that maybe isn't the full picture, okay? So, of course, when we start with comparison, the Teddy Roosevelt quote that comes to mind immediately is, comparison is the thief of joy. And I've written a blog post about this not that long ago that you can go check out too. Um, But it's so true. Comparison is the thief of joy. And yet it's so easy to fall into that trap, especially when you're on social media, right? You're comparing your reality, what you know to be true with someone else's curated, externally facing or externally safe post, right? Um, And I even had like a moment this past weekend, like battling comparison. I got into this like really coveted, like three-day agility seminar with um, two of my dogs. I, I worked both dogs or I worked both Trip and Moxie, I should say. And objectively, like very objectively, the other dogs in the seminar had more skills, more experience. Uh, They were, 
you know, faster, better, stronger, whatever, objectively, right? They were also what I'll say traditional agility breeds, right? They were border collars, border crosses, um, and the handlers, in most cases, had more experience than I, right? Objectively speaking, like on paper, black and white. Now, what you have to understand is I freaking love going to seminars. I mean, I the immersion into three days of just learning, it just it just turns me on, <laughs> right? I mean, when I was a kid, even in riding horses, I loved what I called like torture sessions, right? Like, go ahead, take away my stirrups, take away my reins, do it. Like, let's go, let's do this, let's get better. I just love being pushed in that way. And in a seminar situation, you're really, you truly are immersed because you are there. In this case, I was there for two and a half days, same building, two and a half days, same instructor, just going through it, right? So I just drank it all in. I learned a ton. It was amazing, right? It was all the things. It was so fun. And I was happy to get a merging spot. It was very lucky. It was just great. But, and also, I was going to say, but also, it's not but, and, right? Um, and also, I compared. I, I couldn't help it. You know, I was looking around. I was bummed that my dogs kind of ran out of juice, you know, both days. Um, so much so that I even swapped dogs at the end of the day for the last run. Uh, yes, it was hot outside. It was humid. Of course, it's an air-conditioned building, but it's still hard for dogs to cool back down in these July temperatures, right? So I was bummed that they didn't hold up. I was, you know, I wanted to show the instructor that was giving the seminar as well as the other instructors and very successful people that were there that my Bernie's Mountain Dogs, my non-traditional agility dogs could be fabulous also. And I just, I felt like, you know, by the end of it, I learned a ton, but I felt like I didn't really do that, right? I was, I was a little, I don't want to say embarrassed, but I was just bummed. I was just bummed. I just wanted it to, I wanted to do better, even though I was learning a ton, right? But here's the thing. No one else cared about my dogs, (laughs) right? They cared about their dogs, They cared about their own team. They cared about their own challenges. You know, we always think that people are watching or that people are evaluating or people are thinking a thing about us. And the truth is, is especially dog shows, most people are cared about their own world, right? Or how they stack up, right? We think we're worried about how we compare, but they're worried about how they compare too. And, um, you know, realistically, you couldn't, our dogs couldn't be compared. They're not even the same breeds. They don't have the same journey. They're not the same ages. There were actually dogs there that were related to one another, and you couldn't even really compare them because all of them were at different levels, had different challenges, had different, you know, the dogs maybe had different habits. The handlers had different levels of experience. And and so they were all different. Even the same dogs were different, if you will, right? So Luckily, I know better, right? I look, I know better not to let myself get carried away with this type of comparison, right? I have tools, I have skills, I study this, like I know better. Um, but I also know that I can be, t- I can hold two sort of opposite thoughts or seemingly opposite thoughts at the same time. Both things can be true that I was happy and loved it and couldn't get enough and also, I was disappointed in my dog's stamina and that, you know, we couldn't perform better, right? Both things are true. That's okay, okay? Um, and I know that it's futile 
futile to compare any of what I brought to that seminar with with anybody else and what they brought to that seminar, right? So I'm just taking away the lessons. I'm taking away the feedback. I can't wait to like put them to use. Uh, I'm just excited, right? And as for Facebook, right, as for social media, uh, I didn't post anything about it because I really felt like this past weekend was just for me and there were so many complexities in it, so many complexities about how I felt, about how I was happy that my dogs did work and did push through and still made an effort even though they were tired. Um, I was happy that I learned a ton. You know, it's just, it's just too complicated a story to try to put in a post to have be seen by I don't know, like however many people see your feed in any given day, given the latest algorithms, but like even to be seen by 50 people, right? I I didn't, it's not, it's my story. It's mine. It's personal. So I decided that this past weekend belonged just to me. All right. And I was very grateful for the opportunity. And like I said, can't wait to start like employing those lessons, right? So when we compare we get ourselves into trouble, at least mentally, for sure. You know, no one else can know our journey other than ourselves, right? You know your journey, I know mine. And if we are comparing your, like if you are comparing your results against someone else's social media posts, like I said, it's not apples to apples. It's, It's literally, it's actually not even possible, right? So here's another story, okay? There's lots of comparison stories in dogs, aren't there? So here's another tale, and I love a good pun. Um, So when Indy was working in obedience back in the day, she sometimes um, would shut down in the ring. Long story, it doesn't matter, not getting into it. The point is, of this story anyway, is at one trial, we were actually going for her last CDX or open leg to get her title. It happened to be a regional specialty. So it was just Bernese Mountain Dogs. And and therefore, it was like a kind of a small entry. And also, I knew the judge. And um, so like kind of, you know, small trial situation, right? You, you Where you know everybody. So we go in the ring. Our performance was rough. I mean, rough. Um, however, I was happy. Because I had set performance goals. I had wanted her to continue working, to never shut down, and to just, you know, both of us fight through it, if you will. Um, And she did that. So I was thrilled. She, like, I came out of the ring thinking, oh, she did all the things. This is fantastic. It was back in the day where we did out-of-sight stays, and she did her stays very easily, even though she was alone in the ring. And, um, And so I was fine with it. So... We get our score and it's like a 173. For those of you who don't do obedience, that's literally four, just four points above not queuing. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, we'd like squeak by. Okay. So I was like, fine with it. I was like, fine. I don't care. We're done. That's her title. I'm great. We got our process goals. It's a win. Okay. But we were the, turned out we were the only obedience queue that day. Remember, it's like a small, a small entering. It was outside, which is, has its own difficulties, whatever. And so we go back into the ring for our ribbons and the judge kind of does a little presentation and is sort of combining giving me my ribbon with, I also got high in trial because remember, I was the only one acute. So she, you know, instead of just 
saying a thing and just handing me the ribbon and thanking the stewards and doing the thing like usual, she also throws in a kind of a snide comment. And she says, um, we won't mention the score. And she sort of just looks at me and like makes a face. And I was like, rude. And, um, and then her husband also like kind of went on to sort of lecture me about how I obviously don't train him enough and and you know I don't really realize what it takes to make a good obedience you know dog and da 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 and you know it's really hard work I mean he went on okay and I was like okay more rude and um but I didn't care right? Because my point is not about manners, bad manners in this case. My point is that it's about remembering that you don't know anyone else's struggle, right? They didn't know my struggle. They didn't know what was happy to me, that I wasn't happy that it wasn't that I was happy that I just cued, right? That I was happy about this outcome goal and this title and the, the fancy ribbon that I got um, as like a bonus. Um, I was happy about my process goals, Okay, so we can't know someone else's journey. No one else can know about our journey. So that's just kind of an ugly story (laughs) to illustrate that point and really drive that home is that if I'd have kind of not had the tools and the skills and the practice that I have, I could have really let those comments ruin my day right? They made me mad. Don't get me wrong. They made me mad. And I probably discussed it with some people. Um, But um, I very quickly realized that she has no idea what's in my journey. She has no idea what a win it was for my dog to go into the ring and perform as she did. Okay. So it's important to keep our like keep our heads about us in those moments, right? I recently, and I mean like just recently, like in the last couple of days, heard this concept on a podcast. And here's the quote. If you train them all the same, then you're training some of them wrong. Isn't that crazy? I'm going to say it again. If you train them all the same, meaning, you know, dogs, you know, then you're training some of them wrong. And it's true. We cannot train all of our dogs the same. We cannot train all of the dogs in our own household the same. We cannot train all dogs in a group class with different or a seminar like the one my one this weekend. You can't train them all the same because if you are, then some, some of them aren't getting the training they need, right? So we have to remember that our dogs, our experiences, everything is super individual, like as individual as snowflakes. And so comparison even becomes impossible even in our own home. Even if we have similar pedigrees in our own homes, it's not, they're all different. Okay. So just let go because it's not even possible. All right. So in this conversation, the phrase eyes on your own paper really comes to mind, right? Because that's what it's about. Um, the other one I really like is mind your own biscuits and life will be gravy. Okay. The first one I learned from the nuns. The second one I learned from Casey Musgraves, but I don't really know who wrote either one of them. And regardless, the sentiment is the point. Um, but it still can be hard to do, right? It still can be hard not to compare because we're trying to understand like at our base, we, what we're trying, we're trying to answer the question, am I making progress? Right? That's really all we want to know. But the progress is not going to happen from external comparison. It's going to happen from internal 
like tracking and tracking our progress, right? Which we're going to continue to talk about. So yes, comparison steals your joy and it can also erode your confidence, erode your focus. And it, the focus really that um, we can really break our focus if we're constantly focused externally, right? We're focused on other people because we're always looking for this like walking yardstick that we can measure our own progress against. And again, you're looking outside when you really should be focused on that energy inside or on your own team, right? Use that energy on your own team and make you better. So when we think about some strategies to start curbing that comparison habit, and it is a habit, and we are we're kind of wired to look for some of these things, right? This is like a, um, it goes back to like ancient mechanisms that kept us like safe, right? Because we look for trouble. And by looking for trouble, we know that if there isn't any, then we're okay, right? But here are some strategies to start curbing that habit, okay? First of all, whenever you are jealous of something or you find yourself comparing against someone else's progress or milestone or achievement, I want you to investigate it in that investigate your reaction to it because find out if that thing that they have, right, title, again, accolade, whatever, is something you want, okay? And you say, well, of, of course it is. Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe someone is, make, is has an achievement and it's, it's doing something that you don't do, but you, and so you really need to think about, look, why am I having this emotional reaction to it? And if it is something you want, if the emotional reaction you're having is coming from a place of like, oh, I really want that. That's great. Then you need, like, is it going to motivate you to work for it, right? Do you need to make a change to your program or something that you're doing that you can work harder for it or train for it or maybe change your own goals or something so that you're working to achieve something like that, right? So sometimes our comparison, our reaction to someone else, you know, we think of it as potentially as jealousy or envy, and it could be, but maybe that can be turned into motivation. Maybe you're realizing that that's something that that person has, does, is, whatever, is something that you want. And you can use that. All right. The other thing you need to do in terms of a strategy is start to take inventory of your own progress in a much more constructive way, right? Are you writing down your goals? Are you capturing feedback? Are you know after a trial weekend, are you taking a few notes of things that you know you did well or things that you want to work on? How are you measuring your own progress against yourself, right? Because it's the only measurement. That's the only really true measurement. Is you are you and your dog better this weekend than you were last weekend? And if not, what do you need to work on? If so, remember some progress is subtle and happens slowly over time and sometimes imperceptible to others. All right. But if you're tracking it and you're writing down that feedback, then you are capturing your progress and you are therefore able to celebrate your progress. Right. Of course. The next one, focus on your own runs, right? Make sure that you are spending more focus on your team than you are focusing on others or outside or comparison, right? So when you're watching other runs and you're watching other people uh, in the ring, are you watching them to learn something? Are you watching them to learn the course or learn the path, say, in, in obedience or something? Or are you comparing yourself before you've even run, 
right? Or trying to get in the judge's mind and what they're going to think and how they're going to score that run, all right? So put that energy. Every time you feel yourself going outward, bring that energy back. Go walk your dog. Go do something that invests time and attention and energy into your own progress instead of in comparing yourselves with someone else. Um, You also might want to go on a little social media diet, okay? Because it's such a trap. It's such a juicy trap to easily fall into, right? So if you're not having a great weekend, say, then don't go on social media. Just stay off of it. Stay off of it for the rest of the weekend, all right? Um, If you had a really bad weekend and you're not up to seeing everybody else's brags on Monday mornings, don't. Don't. Don't do it. Don't go on Monday, right? Don't look. Just stay off of it, right? Um, Conversely, if you had a great weekend, you know, you don't have to go on it and say like, oh, I thought I had a really great weekend until I looked at what Susie did and she had like the best weekend and mine wasn't that good. So you got to also mind that too. And sometimes staying off of, off of social media, right, and, and creating a boundary there can be really helpful to your own mindset and what you're working on. You've got to know what you're working on and be committed to your personal growth and not committed to the growth of others, okay? Um, and finally, the other strategy is Find your fun, like reconnect to your why. Remember why you got into this to begin with, right? Learn to fall in love with the process and the progress that you're making, right? It's not all outcomes and, you know, um, champagne emojis, right? All right, so there's another powerful tool that we're going to talk about more in depth because part of not comparing you know, it's hard to not do something, right? If you think, don't think of pink elephants, all you think of is pink elephants. You know, it's hard to not do something. Instead, you need to replace the habit. So if I tell you, don't think of pink elephants, you think of them. But if I tell you, don't think of pink elephants, I need you to think of purple dogs. Well, now you got something to focus on. So in a minute, when we come back, um, we are going to start to build a gratitude practice that is easy. I promise no journals required. uh, And it's going to help you replace that comparison habit with a much better, much stronger, much more positive gratitude habit. All right. I will be right back. All right, just a quick break as I give a shameless plug to one of my favorite masterclasses, and that is the Q Resilience Masterclass. It is available on theqcoach.com, and it is now available as a standalone, self-serve, do-it-whenever-you-feel-you-need-it course, and it was created because I felt like we all needed to build our skill around resilience, because we need resilience when it comes to coming out of a setback or returning from a disappointment or even resetting in between classes or days or trials or events or what have you. You know, not everything goes perfectly. Not everything goes according to plan. And sometimes we need a little help coming back from that. So a lot of people talk about, hey, how do I bounce back? And I don't really want you to bounce back. I want you to bounce forward. I want you to recover. I want you to reconnect, maybe redo your plan. Um, And I want you to have those skills. And so that's why I created the Q Resilience Masterclass. And like I said, it's now available self-serve. So check it out on theqcoach.com. And if you take it, let me know what you think. Thanks. 
So gratitude has gone from being like this newfangled thing, like kind of many years ago now, to now sometimes being like a bit overdone, right? Like, I don't know, like live, laugh, love, kind of overdone kind of thing for me, right? And sometimes maybe it's gotten a little cheapened. That said, it is 100% where I turn to if I need to turn around a bad day or get my mindset, quite frankly, out of the dumpster, okay? Because we have bad days. Like, this is real. This is real life. We play a sport. And when we play a sport, we, quote, win, we, quote, lose, we cue, we end cue. Like, it's, this is real life, okay? This is a thing, all right? And there's now also, like, enough studies and um, money and science and all the things thrown at it to really measure the positive impact of gratitude uh, in terms of being a positive emotion, but also just having on our frequency, like raising our frequency, raising our energy, turning our moods around and our and changing, really affecting, quantitatively affecting our overall joy and outlook on things, right? In other words, it's real. Okay, so whether you think it's overdone or whether you think it's been around forever, it's what's the big deal anymore? A gratitude practice has measurable real impact. Okay, so no more naysaying with it. Okay, so let's get granular. Let's talk about like how do you, how can a gratitude practice affect your mindset and help you keep your, as we say, mind on our own biscuits, okay? So here's some benefits to a gratitude practice. A study, like an actual study, showed that impacts, that some of the impacts can make you 25% happier in life, which is like not nothing, right? That's pretty significant. Um, A gratitude practice can make you stronger, not just mentally, but also physically, Um, again, measured by, thank you, science and some grant that somebody got to do such a thing. It can also make you more resilient, right? And be able to push, push through and, and, and have a goal and stick to it, right? Uh, It makes you more supportive to those around you as well. It gives you a greater ability to push through challenges and achieve goals. Because remember, a lot of our goals are long-term goals. They're not just like, get them done in a weekend, right? It also, a really good gratitude practice, or actually just any, even a bad gratitude practice, um, because we're not qualifying, um, helps your nervous system balance out. So I've talked before about the effects of like when we're in stress and like cortisone and hormones. Well, that's your sympathetic nervous system. Your gratitude helps strengthen your parasympathetic nervous system, and it helps you find calm. It helps you balance out. It helps you balance out those like stress hormones like cortisol and all those things, and it helps you really get back in balance, all right? So it's literally helping you physically because it's helping your nervous system, all right? And then finally, it counteracts negative, like those not good enough feelings. And it also interrupts those thinking patterns, those habits that you already have in your brains. All right. Um, Our brains have a very real, very much studied negativity bias. Right. It's just it's you know, it goes back. There's I'm not going to go off on that tangent, though I could and I enjoy it. Um, But our brains have a defined 
negativity bias. And so we have to be strong in the face of that. We have to work to overcome it. We have to commit, I guess is a better way to say it, to overcoming that because that negativity bias can get in the way of us achieving our goals. And as handlers on a mission, right, we've got goals to go slay, right? All right. So as I've said, life, our, a lot of our goals, marathons, right? Not sprints, right? We need the stamina, therefore. We need the positivity in order to keep going and to um, keep chugging away, keep chipping away maybe. And maybe, like I said, maybe it's subtle shifts. But we need to maintain a positive mindset and be strong against that notion that is where I am is not good enough right now, right? Have you ever felt that? Like we need to be strong so that we can battle that sentence, all right? We need to battle back the where I am right now isn't good enough thought pattern. It's a habit. It's comparison. And it's a very typical threat to those of us who are striving for things, okay? Because we have this goal on the horizon. We are steering toward that goal and we're not there yet. So then all of this doubt comes up and all of this, well, I'm not where I need to be comes up or I'm not as far as Susie is or I'm not, you know, I'm not there yet, right? I should be there yet. All of this other stuff comes up. So we have to work really hard to keep our mindset strong and combat those feelings and those thoughts, okay? Negativity is a habit that we need to break but we're only going to break it by replacing it with a positive habit, all right? We have to commit to the effort. We have to create a practice. So let's talk about a gratitude practice. How do we even start one? All right, well, first of all, you don't need a journal. Like if you want to write down things, that's great. Bonus points, and if that's how you think, I am not poo-pooing the journal. I love the journal. However, I find that a lot of my clients are like, oh, don't make me journal. So I always like... I guess I'm very oversensitive maybe now um, to the fact that like, all right, you don't have to have one. If you want one, great, but you don't have to, no judgment, okay? Um, But it is a practice. And so when it's a practice, I need you to think about gratitude as a skill. And it's a skill that you can learn. But in order to learn something, you have to do it, okay? And the more you do it, the better you get at it, all right? So committing, right? This is step two. So first is think of it as a skill. Step two is commit. Got to commit. Do it. Set a reminder or even what I really like is anchor it it to something you already do. So like brushing your teeth or some people do it like first thing when they get out of bed, when they feel their feet hit hit the floor, they will say some things that they're grateful to. right? Some people do it last thing before they go to bed. Some, you know, whenever. All right. We're going to talk about um, when you can do it at the ring too in a second. Um, But if you anchor it, so in, in other words, attaching it to something you already do, it will be easier to create the association and then it will be easy to remember to do it. Okay. So that's, that's anchoring in a nutshell. Great for building any new habit. Um, All right. Third, Small and frequent is more helpful to building a lasting habit, all right? And that gets to another um, another tip here, which is just do it, okay? Don't worry about the quality. I, it's more important to build the habit 
at first than it is to, gosh, judge your habit. Like this is, first of all, gratitude is a habit that should never be judged. A, like big letters, like don't do it. But it's more important just to get into a frequency and get into the habit of doing it than it is to think about doing it this way or that way. All right. Next, be specific with what you're grateful for. Like when you're listing off the things that that you're grateful for, don't just say like my life, right? I mean, that's great, but that could encompass a whole bunch of things. Maybe you say, I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for my dog's health. I'm grateful for my car, you know, or that I, you know, or that I can go to this trial, um, get, or I have a job that allows me, that pays for my dog life, right? So get as specific as you can. And every so often, really challenge yourself to come up with something novel, something you haven't said before, um, you know, and, and challenge yourself to maybe state it in a different way, right? Use your brain and expand your ability, your practice, your vision when it comes to being grateful, okay? The final thing I want you to, um, in terms of a tip of how to get started or how to start a practice, is when you are thinking about or writing out or saying out loud the things you are grateful for, don't rush, okay? Don't be in a rush. Um, I want you to feel into each thing, right? I want you to feel what it is that you're grateful for because we know and we learned this from our visualization is that when we add emotion to anything, it is stronger. Uh, The stickiness of it, the meaningfulness of it, it's stronger. And so we want this to be a really strong practice. So feel into it. Don't be in a rush. Sit with with each item and just be in the emotion of it. And if you only get through three things because you really spent time really sitting with those, fantastic. Fantastic. Then do that, right? Okay, a couple more notes. Like I said, you don't have to write it down unless you want to, okay? There's some really beautiful things done. People like write it on slips of paper and put it in a big jar and at the end of the year, you know, take it out and read them. Like that's a fun thing. There's ways to make it fun and ways to be creative. Take it wherever you want to take it buy colored pens or just say it to yourself, right? Whichever route you want to go, do that. Like I said, keep your sessions short in the beginning and really become aware of how it makes you feel. Like, does it really change your mood? I mean, for me, it does, right? For me, when I switch my focus and like I said, get my mindset out of the dumpster and back onto something positive, I really can feel that shift. And if you're having trouble, then sit with it longer. Sit with it until you feel that shift, all right? But in the beginning, when you're just getting started, just notice, all right? And remember, it takes 21 to 28 days to create a new habit. So you got to give it a chance. you got to give it a genuine, true, stick to it. I'm going to do this for X days, you know, give myself a star in my planner or whatever for every day that I do it, whatever. you got to commit to it. Promise me you'll try. Okay. All right. Um, And then finally, you know, tell someone and not necessarily tell someone you're doing a gratitude practice, although that's great too. I mean, say thank you to someone. Share it. Tell someone else you're you're grateful for something that they did. Um, you know, it could be a small thing, could be opening a door, could be whatever. But challenge yourself to thank someone else every single day, right? 
And if we are, you know, living in a post-pandemic work from home sort of situation and we don't, I mean, there's absolutely been days I don't leave the house, um, say it online, send someone a note, drop someone an email, send a text, uh, just say thank you. Just say thank you. Okay. To somebody, thank someone every single day. That's my challenge for you. Um, okay. Finally, gratitude is one of the best ways to put a spotlight on your own life, right? Again, we're not comparing, so we're not putting the focus and the spotlight out to others. We're putting it back, bringing it back rather onto our own lives. And it puts you in a more positive mindset really, really fast. And you're going to find this. I'm excited for you to find it. Um, so even do, do it even while you're waiting around at a trial, right? Allow yourself to be grateful that you get to compete, right? That you maybe have a job or have the financial abilities to do the entries, to drive there, to get gas, to, you know, get a new fancy crate or something like that, right? Just be grateful for those things that all went into getting you to that moment. And, you know, some of you may already have heard me talk about this and other times, but, you know, I definitely have an on-deck ritual with my dogs. And one of the last things I say to them before we walk into the ring is I say, thanks for playing with me, right? And I mean it. And I can choke up even thinking about it right now because it wasn't their idea to come to this trial. They didn't fill out the entries. They sure as hell didn't pay for them. Um, and... But I am so grateful that my dogs choose to work with me. I was so grateful that my dogs worked so hard during that seminar this past weekend, right? I mean, they were exhausted. You know, we finished that seminar Sunday night. They woke up, I don't know, around Tuesday morning, right? They were exhausted. And yet every time I opened that crate door, they were ready to come out and and try, okay? I'm grateful for that, right? I'm grateful... Um, in my like horrible story about, you know, finishing my, you know, open obedience title, I'm grateful that she worked through that. Okay. So make it part of your on deck ritual, right? Make it want, make it part of what you say to your dogs. Don't forget to thank your dogs, you know? Um, I mean, depending, they probably don't get email. So make sure you're saying it in person, but don't take that for granted. You know, we all know their lives are too short and, you know, again, not trying to be like emotional or Debbie Downer, but like say thank you, whether it's to the people, to the dogs, to everybody in your life while they're sitting in front of us, right? So it's super important. It also at the ring has the added benefit of calming you down. Because remember, by gratitude, we're invoking that parasympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for our vagus nerve and for calmness and for balance and for soothing. So by saying that, you are reconnecting to your dog. You are calming yourself back down. You are reminding yourself that you are so safe that you have time and space and luxury to be thankful right? So it's a great combatant against that performance anxiety that you might be feeling when you're about to walk into the ring, okay? And it reminds you of your partnership, right? It reminds you that, you know, you're here with your dogs. And, you know, it also reminds you to keep your focus on your own team and your eyes on your own paper and your own progress, right? So that one little sentence of, of thanking your dog, right? Thank, like as, as I say it, make it your own, but I say thanks for playing with me. That one short sentence has all of that impact. It's kind of powerful, 
right? Don't chintz on it. (laughs) Do it, okay? So as always with these podcasts, I always like to give you something that you can put into practice like right away. And if you are driving to a trial on Thursday, as I will be on this particular Thursday, um, do it. Do it this weekend. Practice it in the car and the, you know, think about, do it right now. As soon as you stop listening to my voice, start listening to your own voice and the things that you are grateful for and start putting that gratitude practice into practice immediately. Okay? I mean, after all, you can't do it wrong, right? So there you go. You're already doing something right. All right. So that's it for this week. I hope this helps you. I hope it serves. And as always, have a great week with your dogs. Thanks so much for listening to the Mindset Coaching for Handlers podcast with me, Julie Bacon. I am so grateful for your precious time. I would love it if you found me on Instagram or Facebook at The Q Coach and let me know how it's going. I also offer a monthly membership that's perfect for ongoing support of your awesome goals. Check out theqcoach.com for details or just stop by and check out the blog and other free content. And finally, be sure to share, subscribe, and leave a review as it helps us podcasters tremendously. Plus, I know I get my best podcast recommendations from friends. Thanks and have a great week with your dogs.